listening to another sermon podcast presented by Chelsea Presbyterian Church. Located in Chelsea, Alabama, we value community, fellowship, and love for people from all walks of life. For more information, find us online at www.chelseaprez.org or check us out on Facebook. You can turn to uh, John 11. John 11, if you do not have your Bibles, as always, uh, it's printed in the order of worship. Uh, We're going to kind of uh, pick through a couple of these verses here in John 11. Uh, we're going to be looking at verse 1, we're going to look at verse 5 through 8, and then 11 through 27. This spring, we have been going through a series on the book of John, and it's involved in a lot of characters, a lot of conversations. Uh, there's been a lot of emotions around ideas uh, that John talks about, like freedom and truth and life and anxiety, sickness, pain, and everything in between. But most of all, it's amazing how John records the way that Jesus brings all these things in life from the, the bottom to the top together over and over in this perfect harmony and pointing to the person of who he is. One thing we know is Jesus did not shy away from humanity. He embraced it. He did not dismiss the fact that he knew that we are all struggling. He met folks where they were and all their brokenness brokenness and he empathized with us he didn't he, he didn't leave them there to wallow though uh, and as we're going to see in John uh, he's he going to continue these metaphors that he uses so far he's talked about the idea that he was the light he talked about the idea that he was the truth he talked about the idea that he was the living water he was the bread and now today we're going to talk about the idea where he says I am the resurrection and the life and he talks about this in a world like ours Full of despair and sickness and death. This is part one of a two-part series, and we're going to finish this series, this part of this, next week in Easter. We're going to talk about the death, resurrection, and the life, part two, next week for Easter. So let's look at our passage for today. Chapter 11, verse 1 says, And now there a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, in the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place he was. And then after that, he said to his disciples, let's go to Judea again. And his disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and you're going to go back there again? After saying these things to him, he said to him, Listen, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. And the disciples said, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant that he was taking rest and sleep. Jesus told them plainly then, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, and I'm glad that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let's go to him. So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go so that we can die with him. Verse 17, now when Jesus came, he found Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and she met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, 
Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said, Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father God, thank you for your word. Uh, this is a, a passage that's familiar with a lot of us. Um, and we've heard this before. Um, help us to not be callous to the story. Help us to look for something more that you might be showing us. That this is not about Martha or Mary or Lazarus. It's about Jesus being the resurrection and life. May we receive that well, sink that deep into our hearts, work it into our souls, so that we will really understand more of what that means. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as many of you know, uh, I am adopted by my grandparents. Some of you know that, some of you don't, uh, which is interesting to explain sometimes because, as in my mom, is legally my sister. Uh, my biological aunt, who raised me, who I also call my mom, is legally my sister. And so unlike a lot of situations like that in Arkansas, this was actually legit. <laughs> but anyway, but, but, but at the age of eight, um, I watched my grandmother, who, who I considered my mom at the time, uh, waste away and die from pancreatic cancer. Uh, later in my teenage years, I watched my grandfather, who was my father, succumb to death by emphysema. And again, it was slow, and so brutal to watch on a daily basis. So painful, so soul-wrenching, and so empty in so many ways. And I remember thinking when I confronted both of those deaths, one at the age of eight, one at the age of 18, I thought to myself as a young person, this is not right. This should not be normal basically come to the understanding that death is not natural. Now, I did not know a lot about life back then. I barely know much now. But I didn't know much back then. But one thing I did know was about death. And I was right about that. And this is the one thing that the Bible continues to confront us with, that death is not natural. It's not the intentional design of the way that God wanted it to be. See, God our Father loves life. He created life. He loves it so much that when human beings came along and they rebelled against him, didn't want to have anything to do with him, he made a way to sustain life, not just for a hundred years, but forever. Not just a life that's just biologically going through the motions, but Jesus says time and time again that he came that we would have a life here on earth of thriving and flourishing, a life of abundance. See, like me in my teenage years, where I was crying out for my loved ones not to leave me, Jesus came to the world with that same desire, grieving over death of friends. But unlike me, he had the power to change it in so many ways, and he did. And this is what we're going to be talking about the next couple of weeks. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about it today, and we're going to end next week talking about uh, Lazarus and talking about Jesus and his resurrection. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to examine all 
the pain that's there, but also in all the beautiful nuances and applications, not just for the future, but for where we are right now in the here, in the here and now. So let's dig in. We're going to look at part one. We're going to look at three points. Uh, you can see those in your sermon outline. We're going to talk about, they're pretty simple, the death, the resurrection, and the life. So let's look at point one here. It says, uh, in verse 1 there, it says, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, in the village of Mary, and sister Martha. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place he was. But then after that, he said to his disciples, Let's go back to Judea. Let's go to Judea again. And the disciples said, Rabbi, Jews were just now seeking to stone you. You're going to go there again? And after saying these things, he says, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, and I will go to wake him. And the disciples said, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. Jesus had spoken of his death, though they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. And Jesus then told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there, so that you may believe. But let's go to him. And Thomas, our twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us go that we might die with him. Talking about go with Jesus. The more I talk to folks, the more, the longer I pastor, uh, the longer I live, the more I realize we're surrounded by people. And few of us have very few real friends. I'm talking about people that we love to be around, that we want to be around, that we are around, and they don't want anything from us. They expect nothing in return. I'm talking about real connections on a deep level. I'm, not, I'm talking about not having to worry about obligations or what they think of you. Being so comfortable with these people, being at ease, just being able to relax and be yourself, complete trust, the kind of relationship that doesn't leave you exhausted but the, one, the kind that always has you wanting more. Jesus had a few friends like this, and their names were Lazarus and Mary and Martha. And they were among the closest friends that he had during his earthly ministry. See, this passage says that Jesus loved the man and his two sisters. They were not his disciples. They were just people that he loved. They were his friends, his closest friends. And one day, Jesus gets some bad news. One of his friends were very sick, as he might die any day now. And he said to his disciples, we're going to have to go back and we're going to have to go see him. And immediately they said, Jesus, what are you thinking? Remember the last time we were in that area? They were going to stone you to death? Remember that? Now, when we're talking about stoning the Bible, we're not talking about some little kid with a slingshot pelting you with pebbles. We're talking about people getting in a communal circle with you in the middle and throwing big rock after big rock with your head and your face until you die. That's what they were trying to do to Jesus the last time he was there. And the disciples say, this is a suicide mission. And then Jesus says another thing that blows their mind. He says, we're all going to risk our lives. You know why? Because my friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. And the disciples were like, whoa, hang on. If he's just asleep, let's calm down, Jesus. He'll be fine. I'm thinking we kind of send somebody over to wake him up, and we not go over there. But then Jesus comes out, and he says, guys, here's what I'm trying to tell you. My best friend, Lazarus, died. Now, by the way, nobody told him this. 
He knew that as a son of God. He knew that. Nobody said Lazarus died. They came to him. They said he was sick. But he, in his omniscient self of knowing all things, he knew that he had died. And so Jesus said, we need to go because there's something. He said this to his disciples. There's something you need to see to believe. Now the last line in this section, if you look at it, the one that has to do with Thomas, it makes me chuckle all the time. If you know anything about Thomas, he's called Doubting Thomas. The guy has dry wit, but he's not a joker. And he says, okay, if Jesus is about to go down, let's go. I'm up for going down with him. Let's go. And so we don't know if it's sarcasm or what, but he's just like, Jesus is going down, let's go. And off they go. Back over there. Let's see what happens. Point two. Verse 17, the resurrection. When Jesus came, he found Lazarus already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning her brother, their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and she met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. So when Jesus returns to Bethany, he finds that Lazarus had been dead for four days, which is a significant fact because there was this weird theory that the Jews had. Uh, it was popular in Jewish thought that the, the soul would come back and revisit the body the first three days, um, which is not true. But that's just kind of a, a folklore that they had. And so Jesus wanted to make sure that nobody thought that there's some, something happening here beyond the fact that he is definitely dead. He postponed his return knowing that a resurrection by any other means except for outside intervention by God. They couldn't say he was asleep. They couldn't say uh, he, had, he needed to be resuscitated. By the way, spoiler alert, you already know what's going to happen, right? Jesus is going to like raise Lazarus from the dead. But pretend like you don't know that yet. We're going to talk about that next week. Okay? Just pretend like you don't know that yet. But look at this. What Martha says when Jesus comes, she says, if you would not have been here, my brother would not have died. Now, commentators are mixed on what they think she means. I do not think at all, and I've been taught this, I think they're wrong, that she is actually being uh, sarcastic or bitter. Rather, I think this is a confidence in her his power and an honest admission that she believes if Jesus would have been there that he definitely would have not died. He would have healed him. Because look at what she says next. This is not disbelief for her. This is not bitterness. This is saying, but listen, Jesus, I know you can do whatever you ask of God to do. She's saying, I trust you completely. See, she had seen Jesus heal people. That's what she knew. She could not dare to imagine that he could do any more than that. But look what happens next. He tells Martha with confidence, Lazarus would live again. And she agreed. He said, that, yeah, I, I know that. There's, I, I agree. There's a future resurrection of all the dead in the future. She's saying, of course, I believe in the resurrection. You're not telling me anything that I don't know already. I live in that future hope that one day we're all going to be resurrected. But Jesus is talking about something different here. He's talking about present hope. Life from death 
right here, right now. And sometimes, and you realize this, sometimes it's a lot easier to believe in this vague notion that it's all going to pan out one day or it's all going to be this future hope. And I just have to grin and bear it and have to live life right now and just get through it with that future hope and the bye-bye. What's hard is present hope, where you say, what does the resurrection have to do with my life right now? Where can hope be found right now in a world that's just knocking me down, in a world that's just corrupt and surrounded by problems, in a world where I'm in bondage to so many things in my life? How is that possible? How is hope possible right now? What does the resurrection mean today? Well, Martha has already realized it. And it, this present hope has nothing to do with Lazarus. Let me tell you why. Look at life there, uh, number three, verse 25. Martha's already been talking to Jesus, and Jesus responds, I'm the resurrection and the life. That out there is not resurrection and life. He said, I'm the resurrection and life. I'm right here in front of you, with you right now. Whoever believes in me, though he die, shall live. Anyone who lives, believes in me, shall never die. Do you believe this? She said, yes, Lord. I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Now, all throughout the teachings here on earth, Jesus makes these I am statements. And we already talked about that a little bit. Just last week, we talked about the idea where Jesus said, I am the truth. He's trying to tell the people that truth is not a bunch of religious truth statements. I am what you need by way of truth. Meaning, we don't need more advice in our life. We don't need more Bible thrown over our heads. We need Jesus. We need Him. And here's the final I am statement that we're going to look at here. Think about what he says. Are you ready for it? He says, you want hope in, after death? You want hope right now? He says, I am the resurrection and the life. But again, here's the part that I want to bring out that may surprise you, that maybe you've never thought about in this passage. Something we can learn from Martha. The living, not Lazarus, the dead. See, when we hear about Martha in the Bible, it, it's always in a negative way. For those of you that may know the stories of, of, of Martha, uh, you, people always talk about the idea of don't be a Martha. Um, they remember the story that when she was with her sister Mary and uh, Martha was in the kitchen getting everything ready and then Mary came out and she was worshiping Jesus and, and Martha's like, tell her to get back in there and help me. And Jesus says, you know, what she's doing is what she needs to be doing right now. And so a lot of times people look at that and they think of her as the, the person that was busy with meal prep and home duties that she couldn't even focus on Jesus, her revered guest. And basically, like I said, the, the passage was always about don't be a Martha. The name Martha literally means boss lady. That, that's what that's what you can translate it. She was a control freak. She was performance driven. She had to have it all together. She hated the messy things in life. And she resented people that got in the way of that. And Jesus put her in her place in front of everybody in that story. You know that had to feel like death for Martha when Jesus did that. But the story did not end there. Look at our passage for today. The whole last part of this passage, we see John paying homage to Mary's trust in Jesus. He believed, she believed that he was the Messiah. 
She believed that he was the Son of God coming into the world. Don't discount her faith confession here. It's beautiful. She is now a champion for Jesus. She is one of his best friends. She is not the same person she was before. Now Martha has hope and trust and faith in Jesus even when things didn't go as planned. She had hope in her mind that Jesus would come back and heal her brother. And he didn't. And you know what? She's okay with that. So here she is. <clears throat> in the midst of all the um, in the midst of all the grieving and even planning a funeral. Now Jesus is pushing her to imagine something greater and better here. See, when Jesus asserts, I am the resurrection and I am the life, he's not just talking about life after physical death. He's talking about right now. See, Jesus is claiming to be the source and the power of a resurrection life, not just for the future, but for right now. If you look at our quote at the beginning of the, the order of worship today, it's a quote by uh, Tim Keller. It says this, a simple statement. Jesus res sorry, Christ's resurrection not only gives you hope for the future, it gives you hope to handle your scars right now. So here's what I'm getting at here in the end. You ready for it? The person you are today, the things that you don't like, Jesus calls you to die to those things, to kill those things, to stone those things, to give them up. No matter who you are and what you have done, you don't have to live like that anymore. You can die to that. Let it go. Ask God to destroy it and trust that He will. And it may feel like death temporarily when you do. But God, through the death of Jesus on the cross, will resurrect it. He is the God, as we've talked about all during Lent and from Ash Wednesday to now, the God that brings beauty out of ashes. This is what we're talking about here. We're talking about He is the resurrection and the life. May He resurrect you and give you a full life of trust and freedom and love and faith and hope today that can only be experienced by understanding that He is the resurrection and the life. Not some vague notion in the future, but a relationship with Jesus. And that's where resurrection and life and death to self, but also resurrection to self, can be found. Let's pray. Father, I thank you um, that you're the resurrection and the life. Um, there are so many things in life, and we say it all the time, this just feels like death. Uh, and it's associated with it a lot of times. Will you resurrect those things? Will you turn those things into something harmonious and beautiful? Um, we are feeble. We mess up all the time. We're broken. Yet... When we take our focus off of you and trust in you and actually develop a relationship of not just hoping in resurrection and life, but building a relationship with the person that is resurrection and life, that's what's going to be transformative in a way. Not just years and years and years from now when we pass away in eternity, but from present hope right now. Help us to believe that. Give us the faith to receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've enjoyed today's sermon. We want to remind our listeners that our doors are always open at Chelsea Presbyterian Church, and we invite all our listeners to join us for worship. You can visit us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at Chelsea Middle School. To hear more of our sermons from our church or for more information, you can find us online at www.chelseapres.org or check us out on Facebook.